Hey guys, welcome to the Jackie Minsky Show. If you are new, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're with me for a while, thank you so much for coming back. I'm excited for my guest today. His name is Jeremy. He is an amazing entrepreneur, investor, speaker. He is now the author of his book, Without a Plan. And I'm super excited to dive in and learn about everything that you're doing, Jeremy. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jackie. Excited to be here. So Jeremy, I love to pick entrepreneur brains. So I'm going to ask you, take me to the beginning. What made you want to become an entrepreneur? At what age was that and why? Yeah, good question. Um, and I think I'll, I'll give a, a couple, you know, a couple points on that. You know, I, I very much, it's a bit controversial, but I don't, I don't know if, if you can become an entrepreneur. I think you are either an entrepreneur or you're not. I think you can learn a lot of business tactics. You can learn a lot of, you know, skills within business and experience is phenomenal. But I really think you either, you know, are born with it and and that piece that drives you, or there's something that's conditioned in your life that kind of catapulted that. So for me, I'm a small town kid from Bardstown, Kentucky. I used to live in New York uh, for about 10 years, but you know, I lost my father when I was young. And I think that was probably the the point in my life. I was seven years old and we had a pretty nuclear family and, you know, safe and, you know, 2.2 kids and, you know, that component um, was, was good. And after my father passed, you know, I was kind of catapulted into this thing of massive instability, right? Very stable household to very unstable in, household, <clears throat> predominantly because of, you know, the tragedy, but then the, you know, the things that happened after that, right. When you, you know, my, my mom at the time wasn't working. So that breadwinner mentality that, you know, now you've got scarcity of resources and just that struggle that so many Americans kind of go through. And people around the world, that was what really kind of, you know, I think pushed me, A, it made me grow up really quickly. Um, I had to be the man in the house at, at seven, but it also kind of, you know, I guess ingrained in me that, you know, try to, you know, solve for that, right? And and one of those was a financial resource piece. So I think that was what's always motivated me um, to try to be successful. And I think entrepreneurship, um, at least for me, and I can talk about, you know, some of my steps that you know happened in the the middle part of my life but it was this level of you know just constant curiosity of wanting to learn that's what gets me excited and that's why i'm you know invested in so many different businesses and so many different um industries is that i had this ever yearning curiosity to to learn and that's kind of been the piece that drives uh drives me you know, I love that you said that because nowadays on social media, everyone's talking about learn a skill set, learn a skill set in order to become an entrepreneur. And you just said something so important. You said you either have it or you don't, right? So what would you say? Because you said it kind of started when you were seven, which is interesting because I, from a young age, feel like I've also just been an entrepreneur from a very young age. I used to ask my father to invest into all my stuff, you know, when I was... <laughs> just try to understand business. So my father was my first investor. Thanks, dad. But what is a good indicator if maybe someone younger is listening to this podcast or what is a good indicator that you have it in you to be an entrepreneur? Look, I think a lot of it is just almost naivete, right? Is that you are so passionate and ingrained about what it is that you want to do that, you know, reason and, 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 rationale doesn't have to make sense, right? Most of the ideas I have are too big, way out there. And, you know, 
And the way you can tell is if you tell your friends that, hey, this is what I want to do. And the ones that tell you, you can't do that. That's crazy. That'll never work. Those friends aren't entrepreneurs. <laughs> the friends are like, wow, that's awesome. Have you thought about doing this, this, and this? And like just that ever learning of like seeing what it could become, that dreamer mentality. Um, I think that is a good indication of where you have. Now, um, I to be successful, and you know, I've had Inc. 500 companies and big exits and taking companies public and private. And I've done, you know, you know, you've got that whole resume and CV of accomplishments. To do any of that at scale, to make really material, you know, money, create businesses, you know, change industries, to do any of that, it starts with a team, right? And you need that team to kind of get you there because I don't care how smart you are, um, it's recognizing what you aren't good at um, is is a superpower, right? Understanding like, hey, um, I'm a creative guy, I like big big ideas, but I'm not always the detailed minutia guy, right? So get someone on your team that does that execution well. And you have the ideas and you, 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 you outsource that to this partner or this, uh, this teammate on your, uh, on your, on your company. So I think that's another piece as you're kind of going through that entrepreneur component, there's that hustler mentality where everyone's just kind of hacking in their way and doing it, but to really grow up and, and build real businesses, um, you need to be able to learn and appreciate what you're really good at. And what you're not, and oftentimes what you're not good at, you actually don't like anyway. So it's good to, to offload those and, and bring people in that are smarter than you that can help you know, make your dream you know, more of a reality and, and help more people. So with that being said, I want to take you back to 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I guess now you're the managing director of Delk Enterprise, correct? Yeah. So 20 years ago, I believe, is that the company you started that you only made 6,000 in your first year of business. Uh, correct. And it, so, so it was, yeah. And, and, and I lived in Chelsea at the time. So my apartment was like 6,500 a month. So it wasn't oh Lord, a great yeah, year. That's, that's, yeah. It wasn't a great year. Talk about um, having an entrepreneurial spirit. That's very entrepreneurial, but take me through. So that first year you were making 6,000 your first year. Is it your team that you feel helped you scale the company to where it is today? So take me through that process from the first year to what changed, whether it was the second year, third year, what really helped change and grow your company? So, um, I'll, let me back up. So Delk started in 2001. So it's 22 years ago, I guess. Right. So I'll take you back to 2017. Oh, not 1997. Um, I was graduating high school. Um, I, I mentioned my dad passed away. I was, um, I was inheriting, I, I was going to inherit about $30,000, um, from, from, uh, from my dad and it was invested in Disney and in, um, 20th century ultra It's a mutual fund. And, I had this dream of small town kid. Uh, I wanted to end up in New York. I just always wanted to be, um, I just love New York. You hear Sinatra say, you can make it here. You can make it anywhere. So um, all I knew about New York in this very sheltered environment was um, Wall Street or the mafia. My last name was Delk. So the mafia wasn't going to be a thing. I didn't have any any vowels in my name other than the, the first E. So um, wasn't the mob. So it was Wall Street. So like, okay, I started reading Investor Business Daily and the Wall Street Journal and really started to, um, enamor myself um, and just consume as much content as I could. Uh, and I taught myself, you know, very little, but enough to be um, somewhat dangerous um, about day trading. So at 18, my mom let me sign onto my account and I liquidated those stocks and I started day trading 
Um, and I did that through college. Um, in about two years, I was 19. Um, I grew that $30,000 to about $2 million portfolio um, day trading. So I was a genius, right? I mean, young testosterone driven kid who was already cocky and can't be told anything. Now I'll give him a couple million dollars and just, you know, making $30,000 on your Palm Pilot, you're, you're just, you have the keys to the castle. So I bought a condo at 19, my freshman summer. And, you know, I was doing really, really well. And I couldn't be told anything like, you know, this professor in the econ class is talking to me. I'm like, I just made what you make while we're in class, what you make in a year. Right. So this was a very bull market, late nineties dot com era happened in, in, in 2020 and that bubble burst. So I lost uh, 2 million bucks in four days, which sucked. But um, in in that in that moment, you know your world's over, right? You it's you've you basically you're a complete failure. You have to move home with your mom. I had no safety net, and um, that's where I was emotionally. You know, hindsight, looking back, that was probably one of the most pivotal. Other than my my dad kind of passing away, that's obviously a jaunting you know component of life. But me losing that money in that short window of time. Um, I still say it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because it taught me a lot of lessons. Um, more than the lessons, it taught me that, you know, you can get through anything, right? And you have a choice. Like you can have this event define you or you can define it. So I was able to pull myself out of it um, and then end up on a career. Started in Boston, then New York. I was on Wall Street, trading institutional equities um, at 20 and built myself back up. And I think that's what gave me the confidence, long, long-winded answer, but it was that lesson of the, the confidence I built by getting my ass kicked and then building myself back up of it. That's why, like when I made six grand, I knew that I had savings. I could get through it for a little, little bit, but not that long at, at a $6,500 a month um, apartment rental. Right. So I knew that it was going to take me, um, you know, to figure it out. And I think that was the driving motivation. I always work very much with my back against the wall, that is that motivating piece to kind of really get me through it without a, uh, without a safety net. So once you had that pivotal moment, you know, you lost so much money and now you had to rebuild. What were you, or what did you do differently than the first time around? What learning, right? I mean, I think that's the thing, you know, just constant learning, um, you know, now 20 something years later, um, you know, business appears like it's easy, right? Um, to me, and like we can scale businesses really quick and we start them up and spin them up very quickly. That's from a lot of battle scars, right? That's not from the wins. That's from all this learning of the losses. So I had to, and I was confident I had to experience those losses. And the moment you think you've got it all figured out, you know, be wary you know, because something's going to happen. So I really do try to learn as much as I can, not make decisions. I, I want to kind of see exactly what I want to want to do and where I want to go, but um, not have it all figured out, but just constantly learn and evaluate situations of like, hey, what's the what's the next logical step here? And just kind of keep moving forward from there. So you just said that you're able to scale businesses fairly quick. Am I correct? Yeah, we think so. Yeah. So with that being said, let's say there's someone listening to this episode right now that has, they want to scale their company, right? Is there different ways for different industries, which I'm sure there is, but what would you say you think is your reason for success in scaling companies so quickly? What is the secret to scaling if there is one? 
Well, it's definitely industry specific and, and every business is different. Um, and it depends what you want to kind of, what are you defining scale as? Is it revenue growth? Is it, you know, customer acquisition? You know, it, it really depends on wh- where it is, but the, I, I've been in building materials, finance, tech, software, healthcare. I've, and I think business is business is business. And, and that's at least kind of worked out well for me. So the very core component is just obsessing over your customer, right? Whether it's B2B, B2C, being so obsessive with what the offer is, what the product is and how it's going to maximize, you know, customer value. If you can keep that paramount, um, that's first and foremost, then just put yourself in that customer's you know, shoes on where they are emotionally and what they need, right? Because through COVID and all these things that happened, we're going to go in an election cycle next year. You know, that's really a big consumer confidence play and where consumers are setting. That's number one. The other thing that I see so many entrepreneurs that I either coach in my coaching program where I, I get investment pitches for is people work so hard, right? I've got a digital media company, right? And our guys are looking at so much data, like what's our CPC, what's our CPA, what's our LTV, like lifetime value, customer acquisition costs, our CAC, all of these numbers. And we obsess about all of these components, flows and upsells and downsells to acquire a customer. Then it's like, okay, cool, fuck them, right? We got the customer. And like, that's the hardest piece, right? You have this customer base and you're always worried about new, 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 new that you already have someone that knows, likes, and trusts you in your sandbox. So now what about going to them? Here's a fucking idea and saying, Hey, Jackie, you're a customer. You like me. What else can I do for you? What, how is this product? Just asking those simple questions. Hey, it built a, Whoa, I'm actually, you actually care about me. You want my opinion, but then you ask enough of your customers that, and then you get those responses they can almost tell you what the next product is, right? It's like, hey, well, I'd like to have this, or this is working really well. I really like that. Okay. Then that's how you go through. And now it's about going deeper from a wallet share perspective, as opposed to wider all the time, right? So you've got customers that are spending $2.99 a month with you. I guarantee there's a customer that could ascend up that value ascension ladder to go into a $5.99 program or or a $1,000 a month program, whatever that that is. Um, But just asking them and, and really understanding what that, that's one piece. And then the other is asking customers um, why they didn't do business with you, right? People, oh, they didn't convert. They didn't convert. So let's be done. Well, somehow they got into your, into your world that you presented something, you present an offer to them, whatever, and it just didn't convert. And you just throw them away. It's like, oh, let's just put them into a nurture flow and email them on Clavio and just touch them. Why don't we just pick up the phone? and have a conversation. I knew a guy that did this in the mortgage industry, uh, increased just by calling say, Hey, you didn't join us. You didn't take our, you know, you didn't go with us. What can we do better? Or what was different? And the amount of information that you get data wise is phenomenal, but also you win back a lot of that business. Um, so those are just super tactical ways to, to double your revenue, you know, and then also price increases as well. Like so many people, these, these small businesses haven't, Change prices for four years, yet labors went up, inflate, everything else has gone up sans their pricing, right? So that's the other piece that you've just got to go through and do it. Ask, you know, look, look at all your other, you know, tools that you're paying for, your rent, everything else is going up, but you forget to, to bring up uh, price increases that are nominal, but that gets you 15%, 7%, 8% revenue bumps every year through zero growth. Then you grow on top of that. And that's how you can really get some, some nice scale and new customers. Talk to me about your book without a plan and, you know, if someone was to purchase it, what can they find inside the book? 
so yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, you see all these like just entrepreneurs and learning skills and, you know, I, I wanted to, to put together it. So it's a business book, but it's very much memoir based as well. So it's the last 20 years of my life and even, and even early childhood of me again, taking companies public private, you know, you know, nine figure exits and, you know, a lot of really cool, interesting stuff, but the basis, this is, I showed all the, the personal side of it as well, that I had none of it figured out. I had this, you know, vision on the horizon of where I wanted to go. And that's what led me. But, you know, so many entrepreneurs and so many businesses, I'm sure you've heard them like, Oh, I've got this great idea. Um, it's going to be phenomenal, Jackie, but, um, I just haven't started. Well, why not? Like just get started. That's an overarching component. And I think, Proceeding without a plan, again, it's not all lollipops and gumdrops and like, hey, this is a vision board and you'll be okay. You need to have some kind of tactic, but you know, so many people obsess over a plan that stops them from getting started. Then if they do get a plan and they do get started, they're so wired like, okay, well, I can't go left because I always plan to go right. You're, you're almost pre-programmed to, to not look at the most valuable you know, information that you have, which is the valuable information that you've learned then, as opposed to, well, you know, you're making an assessment on the future and that was your plan. You need to really assess those paths in the road of, do you go, you know, left or right, you know, based on that point in time, not necessarily what you plan for. Um, and, you know, even the book I talk about, you know, building material company that, you know, we were very successful in. Um, I exited that company, but all these businesses are still around that I sold um, and thriving. But you can also have the wrong plan, right? What if, you know, the, the plan that you, you wanted to build your agency to 25, that was your, your, your plan. And that's what you, then that's what you got, Jackie. But what if that was the wrong plan, right? What if you could have 2,500, right? What if you could just have this whole other thing that you didn't even think about, but if you put that in action and just see where it goes, as opposed to like, yep, that's what I'm going to plan for. That's probably what you'll get. But what if it could have been so much bigger, right? Failing to plan is planning to fail. Mm -hmm. that's the other piece of talk in the book is that, you know, the subtitle of the book is uh, a memoir of unbound action and failing my way to success. I think that we have in society and maybe it's, it's not in our school, like with our kids when we're growing them up that, you know, failure is just this bad thing. I just disagree. I think that's where the learning happens, right? Failing is this inextricable thing in life. Like you're going to fail just like breathing, right? You have like failure is part of it. And it's the embracing of the failure as opposed to being afraid of it. That's what stops so many people that they don't want to do it because, oh, what if I fail? Then what are my people going to think about me? As opposed to like, cool, you ran through it. I lost a couple million bucks. All right. Did I stop? No, I'm still here. Everyone on this podcast that's that's listening uh, on your audience, they've had the worst day in their life. Everyone has. They've lost someone. They've had credit lines, re re whatever it is, bubble burst. Like they've had the worst day in their lives, yet they're still here. We, we as humans forget so much, you know, how much resilience we have and what we're able to kind of, you know, endure through and, and overcome by adversity. So the more you can get comfortable with that, like I said, you know, I probably am successful because of losing $2 million. Maybe if I didn't do that, life would have been too easy and it would have gotten too big and I could have even, you know, got further hurt down the track. Right. So I think you look at, you know, what happens for you as opposed to what happens to you in life. Well, I do have a question about the failing because I watched Shark Tank and Barbara from Shark Tank actually said this, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. 
because sometimes companies maybe fail in their first year or maybe their second, she said, eventually, if you fail too many times, that's a sign to give up. Maybe the company's just not working. Maybe you have a bad business model or a business plan. When would you say, throw in the towel, this this is not working or you are clearly not planning correctly? Great, great question. So um, I try to, to, cause you can also have an ugly baby, right? Like your business can just suck. Right. Um, I've had businesses like that. Great. idea. everything on paper just makes sense, but ultimately the market will tell you, right. That's it. I, I don't care if you've got water into wine, people stop drinking wine. Like, you know, the market will speak. Um, it's hard to hear your baby's ugly sometimes, especially if you put your life savings in it especially if you just went all in and like you become emotional. Um, and now you're thinking emotionally as opposed to thinking, you know, fiscally responsibly. So what I do is I try to, to, you know, plan and, and put on the horizon. Like, let's say it's $25,000 in two months, or it's going to be this or that. Right. And then, and then put yourself a monetary, like this is what I'm going to invest. This is what I'm going to risk. This is a time frame. A month. And, and it can be small steps too. Like, Hey, I'm going to build a website or I'm going to do a focus group before I even start. I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to see if, if Jackie and a hundred people will be interested in it. And if they're not, if I get a hundred, then I'm definitely going to the next step. If I get 50 to hundred, I'm going to maybe do, you know, this approach, or if it's 50 or less, I'm just going to you know put it in the shelf and then re revisit it. So, um, I just think Barbara's probably right in that idea that if you've, you know, failed a couple of times, it's probably hard to do, but it's just hard to set that object. It's it's hard to to set that objectively after you've started. The better time to do it is, is be objective before you start. That way you're unemotional. And then when you're there, because when you're there, you're like, oh, well, I just need one more month. Right. And it's always, I just need this new prototype, or I just need this new thing. And then you start telling yourself, um, you know, the hard, hard truths or really hard lies that, uh, that keeps you kind of going. So I think that's, that's it. If you can, if you can try to make that conscious decision before and, um, set some level of, you know, pass fail success failure before you get started, that's an easier way to do it. So pretty much just map it out in baby steps and pretty much no, not necessarily baby steps, but like, Hey, this is what I want to do. Like I want to like, I'm an all in guy and, and, and I don't recommend everyone being like me, but this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to grow my agency. You know, and you want to go to, you want to go to a hundred people. That's what I do. I've got a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Maybe you got a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. I want to put $80,000 at that risk. And I want to just throw it all in these activities. I'm going to, and I don't know what I'm going to just market. I must put $80,000 in marketing it in six months. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm committing to it. I've already, if I blow through the 80,000, I don't care because I've committed to it. I'm giving myself six months and that's my, that's my, that's my, that's what I'm going to do. Then, and that's it. You don't have it all figured out because month one, you may blow 10 grand on, um, you know, TikTok ads and it just doesn't convert. Okay. Well, it's been, you know, just move it, but you've already, and then you can accept that. Like, oh, I'm not done yet. But, but then you've tried it all, but you've given yourself a real college try of like, Hey, that's what I wanted to do. And, and at the time now you're like, all right, well, fuck. I learned how to spend 80,000. I either don't have another 80,000 to spend or another six months, or I need to go and change my business or I could have, what did I learn? Go back and, and triage that whether it was a good, whether you were successful or, or failed at it, go back and, you know, do an autopsy. What, what really worked in the last six months? 
that sucked. This was stupid. This may have something over here, but like, and then, and then go through that was not better ROI. Then now your six month, you know, the future Jackie is going to be able to say, all right, now what do I want to do? I think if I just did more of that or this, or it, 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 you, you just, you learn so much more in that piece and do it from those like sprints, think of them as sprints, right? Whether it's a three month sprint, six months, but it can't just be like, I'm going to do this. And that's what's going to happen. You have to have some level of gut check that you can come back into. But if you commit with the 80,000, you don't care if you rip up 40. It sucks. I don't want to do that now because I only have 40 left. So I'm going to be much smarter with my next 40. So it's pretty much, you know, ultimately listen to the market, look at the market and see what's working and do more of what's working. For you, I mean, define what the success is. Like, I want to be able to capture this to me customers. This is my offer. This is what I think. Um, okay, great. Or maybe it's a financial goal. I want to gain these many customers because you want to make so much income. So maybe that's what you have to define. What am I solving for? And that's what I mean by defining failure success or success. What does that mean for you? It may not be making a million dollars a month. Like it may be something else. Like what is that? Define what success or failure looks like. And then just, you know, you know, sprint there and see how you go. You know, you sound like you have a lot going on, super busy. So how do you maintain a healthy work life balance? Because I know you talk about failure, you talk about success, all these things, but how do you take a step back and just be yourself? Like, what do you do when you're not working? So work-life balance is bullshit. Um, I don't believe in that. Um, if you love what you do, you're never working, right? I mean, I, 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 I love what I, and that sounds kind of cheesy, but um, I just don't believe in that, right? I think that's, how are you, Jackie? I'm going to just like, get, I'm going to get slammed by the whole audience. <laughs> no, right? it's okay. I'm going <laughs> to be like, 35. Yes. Yeah, so. uh, oh, so yeah, but, but that, I think that's more of like a Gen Z millennial. I mean, I, I just, I don't know if I believe in the work-life balancing. I work hard, play hard. And I do that because, you know, we, we had the Derby this weekend and then we're in, you know, did um, Formula One for for a few hours in Miami. Like, you know, like, that's just a cool thing. You have experiences and I'm back in, you know, back at work on Monday and doing podcasts with you on Tuesday. So um, I don't think um, work-life balance is real, but what is important for you, right? I've got two kids. Um, I'm going to make sure I'm showing up at Carline to pick up. I'm going to make sure I'm at lacrosse practice and soccer practice for my four-year-old. Like, so that's where I think, you know, entrepreneurship and, you know, some financial freedom gives you those things where you can choose, right? What, how you're spending your time and whatever, you know, I'll do, I'll help read to the kids to get them asleep. And then I'll work at night. No one's telling me to, to do financial models at two in the morning. I don't have a boss, but I enjoy doing that. That's what drives me. I've got you know, people that work with me that are depending on me. Um, and that's it. So I think you can try and frame it as much as you can, but um, what's important to me may not be important to you. Right. So that's all it is. And if you can, Make sure you're fulfilled and you have great relationships and great friendships and partnerships and love and you have all those things. And, and I talk about all that in the book too. I think that's an important piece is I talk about the, like me fucking a lot of stuff up too, right? Not valuing the right things and, you know, overcoming some demons and, you know, driving. I was you know probably motivated by money just to kind of, you know, fill, you know, empty voids that weren't there. So once you kind of get to really kind of connect to like, hey, loving yourself, what's important to you? What do you value? Once you kind of get comfortable with that, it's easy. And then that's your work-life balance because you're just fulfilled in all aspects of it, but it's, it's different from everyone else. Yeah. I always say, you know, take a self-assessment of all the areas of your life, your health, your relationships, you know, your work, you know, how you're spending your time. 
you know, and really what, what does success mean to you? You know, is it freedom? Is it money? What does it look like? So with everything you know now, what would you tell your younger self? If you could have a conversation with your younger self, what would be something you would tell him? Um, great question. So what would I tell my, I think probably just to, um, and I talk about a lot in the, in the book, like I probably wasted a good 10 years of my life and I have no regrets of it, but I wasted a good 10 years of my life, um, filling in that void, um, as opposed to kind of working out some shit, like what's really kind of like, cause we all have demons inside of us. Right. And we all have things that are hurt that we're going through. And, you know, I'm a hard charging CEO, venture capital guy. Um, I'm fucking invincible. That's I'm a fucking pussy. Probably I cry. I'm, I curse a lot too, but I, I, I mean, I'm now much more emotionally um, connected and like going through where like vulnerability was the worst fucking thing. Like I would, I could have guns point in my head and you wouldn't see me shake. Right. Cause I had to be that, the strong leader and you have to be for your team. Like, even if you're shaking, you don't have it figured out. You have to be that strong person. And I had to be that for my companies. I had to be that for my employees. You have to do that. And that's the job. That's what you sign up for. But being able to kind of go through like, I am, I'm actually, I am scared of this or what happens if this, like, and just getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, getting comfortable with being vulnerable. Um, you know, it's hard, hard, hard shit to do, right? I'm six figures and a lot of couch time on therapists, right. To figure my shit out. It just sucks. It's much easier to party in Miami and Vegas and just fucking live a fake life. But you're not really living right until you can kind of go through and feel it all. Um, I think that's what I would do. It, just do it sooner. I'm happy that I'm, I'm and it's still, everyone's still on a journey and you're always still kind of figuring it out, but the more you could kind of just do that, uh, and just be real with yourself, um, and go through the, ask the hard questions, look back and like, Hey, why am I doing this shit? What, what's, what's, what's the motivating component? You know, you peel back that onion again, it's not always pleasant, but if you can go through it at the other side, you'll have a more fulfilled life. I'm hundred percent confident in that. That is true. You know, being vulnerable with others means you're being honest with yourself. Jeremy, where can we find you on social media? Where can we get the book? So I'm Jeremy S. Delk on all socials. Um, you can connect with me on you know Facebook, Instagram, uh, jeremydelk.com as the website. Um, books everywhere, you know, Target, Amazon, Walmart. Um, we, uh, we're on Audible. Um, we had a really great um, award-winning narrator um, narrate the book, but we did a really cool, almost like podcast Q and a style after each chapter where they would ask kind of, so it's like a behind the scenes piece. So, um, that's been really good. We've got a ton of great feedback on that. So you can get that at audible, Amazon, like I said, Barnes and Noble, wherever you get books. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the Jackie Minsky show. And I'm sure that so many people are going to be really grateful that you came on and hopefully you guys get the book. I'm going to get the book because now I'm so excited to read it after, you know, speaking with you today. So thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you, Jackie. I had a great time. Hey guys, it's Jackie Minsky. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Jackie Minsky Show. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, leave a rating, and a review. Be sure to tune in week after week as we are going to be interviewing some of the greatest entrepreneurs on the show in season three. I'm looking forward to bringing you guys all the tools, tactics, and information you need to help you get from point A to point B. Whether you're a startup 
or you've been in business for several years. Wherever you may be in your career, I'm super excited for season three because we're going to be helping you really change your life around. Thank you again for listening. I love you guys.